this dilemma that E.B. White put in his characteristically elegant and humorous way. It faces us all. We know that the world is full of terrors and tragedies, the ones we face ourselves, the ones that others face, even as we have lovely days. And we know that the world is beautiful. Life is beautiful, filled with glories such as flowers, whether they are intact and gathered together in beautiful little yellow crowns are blown across a field. And of course, beauties such as music and love are here for us. I think of three unfruitful paths that people often take when they realize that this world that we're in, this life that we're given, is both beautiful and terrible. One is despair. To look around at the world and say, oh my gosh, it is a terrible mess. Nothing is worthwhile. I am in misery. I can't think of anything joyful. I can't partake of any pleasure because the world is so terrible. That is not sustainable. And yet it's where we go sometimes. The second unfruitful path follows hard upon despair. Nihilism, in which not only you are miserable, not only you think your life has no meaning or joy, but you extend that out to everyone else. Well, because I take no pleasure, I can't bear to see other people enjoying this world and saying it's beautiful. How dare they? And a nihilistic mind wants to wipe out whatever joy it sees and replace it only with despair. And then another unfruitful path is, well, we've got despair and nihilism. I'm going to put them together and call it denialism. Denial, just, well, the world is tough, but hey, you know, it's full of lovely things, so let's just have a good time. Live fast, die young, leave a beautiful corpse, and it goes without saying, don't care about making the world any better or tending the wounds of those around you. That's just as destructive in its way. To refuse to see anything that's hard, painful, because it's just too hard and painful, and to just live entirely in the joys, the pleasures, the beauties of life, that can cause just as much danger to others and, I think, to ourselves. I think these are three paths of spiritual danger and death. I realized as I was trying to find songs and, and, and a sermon that could go together, that could weave together, that the songs I was leaning toward were also answers to this dilemma. And they have three uh, different ones to go along with, with Jane's beautiful remedy of, of music. We make something of beauty together. Even when we think we don't make anything very beautiful by ourselves. I mean, listen to what we did with that simple, simple tune. 
And here they are in order, in chronological order of when they were composed and also in order of our, our service. I think Dylan's message is, moves beyond despair because he says, this young man who's seen the world and a lot of terrible things in it, he says, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to where the people are suffering the most. And I'm gonna, well, what am I going to do about it? Well, I'm a singer, I'm a composer, I'm a poet, I'm a musician. I'm gonna tell it and think it and speak it and breathe it and reflect from the mountains so all souls can see it. One fruitful response is to make beauty in the face of suffering, to say, here's what I've seen and I want to tell it to all of you and I'm going to tell it in a way that is beautiful and moving because that's my gift. That's his gift. Now it shades mighty close to despair, this song. I mean, he says he's going to reflect from the mountains so all souls can see it, but then he says, and I'll stand on the ocean until I start sing sinking. This is going to be a very short song. Like he can't believe he could actually plant his feet on the mountains and sing for, for years, for decades, for until he's 82 years old, as the composer, the poet, turned last week. But you can't blame him, really, because Bob Dylan wrote this song, he wasn't 82, he was 21. He was just starting out just left home, gone to a great adventure of what he hoped would be a career in music, but did, of course, not know yet what would become of him. And what happened when he was 21 years old in October of 1962? He and the whole world watched the Cuban Missile Crisis and had very good reason to think that he would not be alive a week later, that this was how it was all going to end. Now, if you don't remember, or you weren't around for the Cuban Missile Crisis, ask an older person to tell you more about it afterwards. Suffice it to say that political scientists still think that it is probably the closest this world ever came to nuclear annihilation. And we've had some other close calls. And in the middle of this, this very young, talented man wrote this song. He wrote about what he was seeing, beauty, and destruction and sorrow and little nuggets of joy. And he said, what am I gonna do about this? Well, I might start sinking right away, but I know my song and I'm gonna sing it. That's one response. I think it's a lot like Hanif Abdurraqib's. You know, as he said, also in that introduction, I'll add something else. <clears throat> Um, that he said about his experience of why he wrote that poem. He said, what am I to be writing about at a time like this? If not to dissect the attractiveness of a flower, that, can, that which can arrive beautiful and then slowly die right before our eyes. He said, I thought it was much better to grasp a handful of different flowers. I'm thinking now of our flower communion put them in a glass box and see how many angles I could find in our shared eventual demise. We're all going to die. That's one of the griefs and terrors of being human. 
And what can I find here? What can I show you that's beautiful in this life we share? That brings me to, um, to the second song, which I'm going to sing in just a minute. Uh, History of Us by Emily Salier of, um, Salier's of um, the Indigo Girls. Um, and I laugh when I think about this song because, as you'll hear if, if, in the words, um, it sounds an awful lot like what I'm going to do for the first uh, several weeks of my, of my sabbatical coming up. Uh, the singer goes to Europe, in her case, to forget about a, a disastrous love affair. She's trying to put grief behind her. And there she finds um, beauty. She finds destruction. And she finds a sense of perspective because she looks, there's statues of lovers every place, she says. Just imagine. Your love affair has fallen apart and you go and, oh God, these lovers everywhere in Paris. And she realizes, you know, this was the present for them. And now they're gone. Now they're history. And she comes to the realization that Given that life is short and full of sorrows, we have something that we need to do. And this too is a wonderful constructive response to this mixed blessing of being alive. She says, we must love. While we're still alive, we, we, we can love. And also this part really made me laugh. She talks at the very end about returning to the flock I must keep. Aside from the fact that I'm sure none of you think of yourselves as a flock. Got any sheep out there? Yeah, all right, maybe, maybe. Um, I think she's speaking to all of us, you know, to return. I must return to the flock I must keep. We all have something constructive to do. We all have something to love, some part of the world that we love, some people to tend, some animals to heal, some, some people whose houses need repair, whatever it is that is our work in the world. We have it to go and do. Until, until our time is done. That is another response. Better than despair or nihilism or denialism. Now I'm going to claim preacher's prerogative and leave a tiny little bit of the sermon till later, just before the last song, so that you can hear those two things together. And now I will share history of us. Tulao also takes on this question. It seems to come into the middle of a conversation. She's talking to a friend, I think, and saying, you know, if you went all the way up there, if you went all the way to the top, if we went up there together, you would see that the world is beautiful. And I think she's addressing somebody who is in that place of despair and saying, if we take a certain perspective, we can hold it all. The, the bumpiness of our adolescence, the wounds of our childhood, because that's another reason sometimes it's so hard, so hard to hold that balance of beauty, of beauty and terror, joy and tragedy. 
is because we were wounded ourselves in a time when we were very young and didn't know how to find any balance. Those things shape us. And Isabelle Geoffroy, Zaz, as she calls herself performing, says, let's go up there. Here are the things that could happen. I picture a very specific sort of a, a height of a mountain. I asked my daughter who helped with the translation and she pictures just going right up into the clouds, into the sky. You could picture anything at all. But another thing is, well, singing together like we just did, like we just sang. And like she keeps saying over and over again, allez viens, let's go, let's go, let's be together. Because finally one of the great, if not answers, then responses to this beauty and tragedy is we're together. As we say in our relational covenant, we embrace this life for it is what we have together. All of it, and we all understand that it's sad and beautiful and happy and terrifying. We're all here. So let's go. Allez, viens. Allez, viens.